0: I just want to go on record saying that I have never met Daniel Pollock pelsner in person. I have read and enjoyed his uh, articles in Atlantic Magazine and and New York Times uh, and The New Yorker. Um, And we have met and talked, spoken virtually on Zoom. And he's been a guest on the podcast multiple times. And I always love talking to him. And so I don't quite understand the predicament he's now got himself into because really Daniel is one of the most affable Cassandras I've ever met. Who have you pissed off
1: now, mister Pollock (laughs) Pollack-Pelsner? Austin, this is going to be another episode of Daniel Ruins Everything again.
0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever it is, wherever you are. I'm Austin Tishner, one third of the Reduced Shakespeare Company, and you're listening to this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast, now in its 15th year, number 763 Firing the Messenger. Observer and tenured professor currently on illegal hiatus, Daniel Pollock Pelsner, has spoken with me before on the podcast about his wonderful articles in the New York Times and Atlantic magazines, and I'll put links in this episode's description to all of them. But now, because Daniel brought reports of sexual misconduct against four members of the Board of Trustees of Linfield University to the Board of Trustees at Linfield University, Linfield University has now fired Daniel rather than address the substance of the complaints and, as you'll hear, shut down any attempt by Linfield's students and faculty to express support for him or indeed question further or publicly comment on the ongoing issues. Daniel has now filed a $4 million lawsuit, and because he is always ready to have the conversation, even the potentially difficult ones, Daniel joined me this morning to talk about the ongoing issues at Linfield University. You know, we're joking and everything, but, you know, the situation you're in is pretty serious. Um, what is, what What can you talk
1: about your situation? How can you talk about your situation? Well, I can talk about my experiences and my reaction to them and what people have entrusted to me and and there's a this has unfolded over a long period of time with lots of different players but the story actually is pretty short which is that I was a tenured professor at a small school outside Portland Oregon Linfield University I was elected to the board of trustees which has a faculty position and as uh at After my first meeting, week after my first meeting, a colleague came up to me and said that she was being sexually harassed by a senior member of the board. And another colleague came up to me and said that her former student had been sexually harassed by another senior member of the board. And we read in the Oregonian that another student said that she had been sexually assaulted by a different member of the board. And so I went to the board and said, we got a problem that we have to deal with. The board said uh, shut up. They censored my report. They said I was destroying Linfield from within, had a secret agenda to grab power. They barred me from their meetings. They attacked me. And when I didn't shut up, they fired me. I mean, we've all wanted to
0: shut you up in some way. But you're not allowed to fire a tenured professor and you're not allowed to fire the whistleblower. Have we not seen any of the movies that illustrate this? It's not the, that you don't make it better by covering it up.
1: Uh, There is a a much wiser philosopher than I, Sarah Ahmed has said, when you expose a problem, you pose a problem. And I guess I was naive to think that that wouldn't be the case. but I get, I mean, I get it's, it's annoying to have a faculty trustee saying, hey, you got this problem you have to deal with. Shutting me up is one thing. But what really does make me angry, Austin, is that then my students voiced their support for me. They wrote messages in chalk on the school plaza saying accountability, stand with survivors. And the school hosed down the messages and they threatened to fine the students for unauthorized use of chalk. And then, so students, you know, they're ingenious, they they, uh, posted comments on the school's Instagram, school disabled comments on the Instagram. Students tried to make posters. School told the residence hall advisors that they couldn't give paper to the students to express their views. So faculty put up posters in their offices saying, we support students, we stand with DPP, which is what they call me. And the security broke into the faculty's offices and tore down the posters. And it, it I, I feel like it would be kind of comical if you were, you know, viewing it from the outside, but when you're lifting it from the inside, it is, it is really scary.
0: I imagine it's got to be scary and not just, I mean, uh, absol- absolutely for you and your family, um, but also for the students and the other faculty at this university and for students and faculty at, at other universities where... If this becomes a thing, I mean, critical thinking. I mean, I, we, yeah, we clearly in the in the space now. People are worried about anything that has the word critical in it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, but this is, but this is, this is, this can't stand. You've you've now filed a lawsuit uh, under the whistleblower statutes, and um, I, I'm I'm sure that there's stuff you can't talk about. But the, but it it seems like the 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 documented evidence. Of misbehavior and trying to shut down dissent and expression of thought is so
1: obvious. I don't know how Linfield recovers from this. Well, I mean, my goal is for Linfield to thrive in the future, and there are so many wonderful things that my students and colleagues are doing there. I I feel terribly that this is what's grabbing the news, but I think everybody's entitled to a learning environment that's free from harassment and a workplace environment that's free from harassment, and so I it, it just seems essential to me that people be able to report in good faith concerns about their safety and their students and their colleagues' safety, and that they'd be able to do that without fear of retaliation. And um, I I worked for two years within the school's official channels, uh, you know, sort of behind closed doors, trying to get the people in positions of power to recognize that. And um, finally, when they said that they would not adopt an anti-retaliation policy, and they would not uh, uh, denounce as, as inappropriate um, senior members of the board touching students and professors' private bodies without their consent. Uh, it seemed like we needed somebody with more power than I had to, to make those rules evident. And yeah, you
0: that's a, an important point to emphasize. We're only just reading about this in the news for the last couple
1: of months, but this has been going on for several years now. Yeah, this started, I mean, I only became aware of it back in 2019 when I was elected to the board, but the first complaints of sexual abuse by senior members of the board date back to uh, students say an incident in 2017, they reported in 2018, and the board just decided to keep the guy uh, on the board after he was accused of sexually abusing three students, and then another student says that he sexually abused her and he's now facing, uh, I think, eight criminal charges of sexual abuse in court. And uh, when when I mean when the, when the chair of the board, he told me when he found out about this, his concern was, oh, that poor trustee, I knew he had a problem, but I didn't know it was this bad. And uh, so I, j- I just learned the word empathy uh, from a Cornell philosopher, which is in sexual assault cases where the sympathy is for the guy who's accused of committing sexual assault rather than for the effect on his victims. And I, 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 did, I thought that was a kind of fanciful term until I heard the reaction of the board to these accusations where the sympathy is for these guys who just don't know how to control themselves rather than for really devastating effects on the, the selfhood and the ability to participate in an educational community that actions like these ones that have been alleged can cause.
0: Well, and it's and it and sadly yours is not the only case. Uh, Nicole Hannah Jones at 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 UNC Chapel Hill, um, uh, 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 that has a happy ending because she's now at Howard, <laughs> a fully yes. tenured play, position at Howard. But um, but also I know of an institution um, that I won't name that yeah. um, that uh, a theater, and I'm sure it's not the only one that has canceled its season because enough of the artists creating this season resigned in protest to uh, 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 the actions of the board and the inappropriate behavior, and I don't know the actual extent of it, of, of, of the board of trustees, um, who blamed the artists leaving, saying, well, you're gonna, the, the theater's gonna fall apart because of you. Well, that's not the case. I mean, it's the people, the people bringing shining light on the problem
1: are not the problem right well you articulate that perfectly And, and i i'll admit i sort of took it personally for a while when linfield was attacking me and saying that i was harming the school by reporting you know allegations of harassment and then i read this amazing work by uh a trauma psychologist, Jennifer Fried, who's described the the corrosive effect of institutions that are supposed to be protecting you, um, choosing to betray you instead. And she has this acronym for how institutions respond when they're accused of wrongdoing, be they theaters or universities. And it's called DARVO, and it stands for the institution denies, then it attacks the whistleblower, and then it reverses the victim and offender. So they say, you, the person who's naming the problem, are the offender, and we, the poor institution, are the victim. And once I saw this spelled out by Dr. Fried, I, I it just helped me realize: oh, this is just this is just the old playbook. These guys are just speaking their lines. This is like Leontes when Paulina says, "You know what, studied tournaments, tyrant, asked for me, and he blames her for ruining the kingdom." It's an age-old script of what men in power do when they're accused of wrongdoing. And unfortunately, um, that script is still in circulation. I'm Nina Totenberg, and you're listening to the Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast.
0: Where can you RSC the RSC? We are still the remote Shakespeare company until this November of 2021, and next week we should be able to announce the next round of actual live dates where we will be performing. Woohoo! Spoiler, it's not many, but it's a start and we'll keep you posted on Facebook and Twitter about where we'll be performing after that. Now back to my conversation with Daniel Pollock Pelsner talking about what genre of play best represents what's happening to him now with regards to his firing by and lawsuit against
1: Linfield University I have been wondering like are we in a tragedy seems like we're in a tragedy but tragedy ends with a total dissolution of the of the of the community of the realm and the comedies often have uh, you know, horribly misogynistic um, abuses of power, uh, and then things are righted at the end when the misdoing is uh, exposed. But I was thinking, at least of that that tragicomic model from the end of Shakespeare's career. And so, you know, Leontes runs amuck with his with his abuses, and Paulina tells him the truth, and he won't listen. And even the Oracle tells him the truth, and he won't listen. And he takes his wife dying, and his you know son dying, and then. T- figure of time has to come on and and what is it 16 years have passed yeah uh at the same interval in the tempest after prospero has been wronged he's he's on the island for 14 years and uh i'm not saying that shakespearean dramaturgy is a uh you know a fixed calendar for legal proceedings but it does seem to me, if this is our generic model, that when when dudes screw up, it takes basically half a generation for people to even start to get to the point when some kind of healing or recognition can take place. That's uh, that's a long uh, moral arc of the universe to stick around for.
0: Well, and I don't like to think of you bearded in exile on an island for 16 or 14 <laughs> years uh, either. My either, wife doesn't like
1: you're... to think of me bearded either. It's weird. It's <laughs>
0: <laughs> you become even more rabbinical than you are <laughs> in, in normally um uh well, but you're right I mean i i but I tend to be a Pollyanna generally but yes yeah. if we if we do look at Shakespeare's romances you know there's something romances r- r- uh, romantic <laughs> and, and epic and hero's journey about the kind of uh, situation. Uh, your find yourself and if we think of romances the way i do which is that they're basically tragedies with happy endings mm-hmm. um we, you know b- uh, that that gives me hope for the resolution of 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 your situation and other situations like this he said uh, stupidly optimistically
1: man i hope so although the shakespearean that that model seems to be you know you're trying to get out of the uh Abusive ruler plot in Pericles. You got to go through a lot of ports of call before you can get yeah. back home to safety. And you've got uh, a voyage ahead of
0: you. I think parts. Daniel is the point. <laughs>
1: <laughs> just get, get the bear ready for my exit, and uh, and I'll know when I'm coming home.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, there. I I, I just saw uh, Andre de Shields in King Lear, and you know mm-hmm. that moment uh, that moment where he rec- recognizes and reconciles with with Cordelia is lovely it's just lovely and if the play ended there i'd be happy i'd be yeah. thrilled it continues yes. on to its tragic conclusions and i and i and i am on record as feeling that uh that the tragedies are a much overrated genre in terms of what they can teach us um but <laughs> uh, i don't know how that fits with you but anyway.
1: yeah well you can sort of see why uh you know the british poet laureate named tate felt like he had to rewrite that Endings, so Lear and Cordelia didn't die, and Cordelia could marry Edgar, and the folks who live happily ever after. And we know that was kind of Shakespeare's source material in a way too. That he um, he shocked his audiences by killing off his main characters. But it is, I mean, that seems like that's one of the horrible things is that Lear doesn't realize what what a truth teller he has in Cordelia until they're both being led away to prison. And uh, I don't know, you know, when Lear says to Cordelia, um, you know, we two alone will sing like birds in the cage, if she's saying, yes, daddy time, or if she's saying, oh, my God, I'm going to be stuck in solitary with this raving maniac uh, forever. But um, that is, it is a model of how people change their worldviews. And in, in at least the Lear model, it takes not only the disillusion of his family and his realm, of the natural world and his mind and the like, international political order for him to say, "Huh, ah, I guess Cordelia was trying to tell me something helpful here," and that's a kind of terrifying model of the amount of cataclysmic change it would take to bring somebody in power around to understanding their critic's position.
0: Well, and that that puts you in the position of the wise fool telling truth to power. Um, but we don't want my
1: poor fool to be hanged. That's yes, right. I would. I'd be happy to be double cast as Cordelia. But uh, uh, I, I do feel often like that that guy trying to hold the two eggshells and say, "Do you notice something's missing here?" And uh, and and just getting you know laughed off as well. A and
0: boy, boy, now the Shakespearean allusions are piling on. You know, which is like, uh, well, Linfield has given away everything. Now it's given away <laughs> its credibility um it's trust i mean it's really abandoned everything and divided the campus in not just in three but in in multiple pieces it's it really does feel you know tragic and shakespearean
1: yeah it does um it's sort of i i think it makes me think too of uh, you know how iago has all of those different soliloquies where each time he's got a different theory of of what's motivating him and so he'll say to uh uh, you know, he'll say to Rodrigo, put money in thy purse. And then he'll say to a fellow, he who steals my purse steals trash. Uh, you feel just from me, my good name, um, you know, takes me that, you know, which whatever enriches him not, but makes me poor indeed. Um, and it, I I kind of I I mean, I don't want to speculate about the motivations of people who are in power at my former institution, but it just makes me wonder: like, what what is the value here? If it's not student safety, it's not the financial well-being of the school it's not the reputation of the school what what i hate i can't imagine that it's it's iago-like nihilism um and in fact it actually seems to be the reverse which is you know people who who think that they're doing the right thing who care about linfield who've volunteered to serve on the board who basically want to know that everything's going well and then um and only basically hear from the president in a kind of uh you know, g- good news reporting mode. And so when they hear from the WACO faculty trustee that there are actually problems going on, it, it sounds like hearing that aliens have landed on the quad. It's just not information that's easy to uh, assimilate. There's too much cognitive dissonance between the trustees thinking we love the school and we are good people. And yet this guy's telling us that those things aren't true. Either you have to do be very introspective or the, I think maybe the easier thing is to lash out against the person who's telling you that.
0: Well, and 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 I read reports of a Linfield wealthy Linfield alumni who have withdrawn their contributions and literally changed their wills uh, so that so the university does, doesn't receive money after they die. That's that's it. That's not good. That's not good.
1: Right. Well, and I guess this does. I mean, it's helpful for you, Austin, to suggest these parallels because there is something sort of Lear or Leontes like about these people around whom everyone else is saying, what are you doing? Why are you persisting in this course? Why aren't you listening to the people who are providing evidence of the gap between the way you perceive yourself and the way the world is actually working? And, you know, in Shakespeare's era, part of the problem is unchecked monarchical power, right? These are you know, before Louis the Fourteenth, but they're they're more or less absolute sovereigns, unless some rival lords get a bigger army and can challenge them. And we sort of think that we've moved beyond that era of unchecked, um, uh, you know, unchecked rulers uh, in, a, in a democracy. But there's a weird way in which a board of trustees of a nonprofit is, it, is it ha- has no accountability to anyone outside itself. The positions aren't elected except by their own members they can't be uh held uh, responsible except by their own members there's no higher authority that they report to there are no checks and balances and uh you know of course there are differences between medieval monarchs and modern boards and and both can do wonderful things with the you know right resources and intentions but if we think about that sort of shakespearean exploration of what happens when people have unchecked power and don't have to listen to the voices of their critics uh that's, that's not where um, happy endings come from.
0: Well, I, uh, that was going to be my next question. Is there a romance like happy ending for you? Can you, can you envision a situation in which you would return to Linfield? Is that e- something you even want?
1: Well, I, I, mean, I love teaching. I love my students. I would love to be back with my, uh, my colleagues. And the thing that's, that's both heartened and Kind of wrenchingly moved me most, Austin, over the last few months has just been hearing from my students, both the the lessons that they've taken from my classes and and the fact that they're not that that they won't be cowed no matter what means of of communication and protest Linfield takes away. Of course, you know, uh, twenty two year olds are more savvy about communication than bureaucrats, and they're going to find another you know another website, another forum to speak out. And I had this amazing student. Ian, you would appreciate this, Austin. She was in my Shakespeare class when all of the stuff about the Board of Trustees started coming out. And um, and she was herself a sexual assault survivor who had complained to Linfield and felt that Linfield had not taken her concerns seriously. And she was gonna be starring in a production of uh, Measure for Measure at Linfield playing yeah. Isabella. And for her final project in the Shakespeare class, she, she did Isabella's, um, Soliloquy after after Angelo abuses his power, right? And says, I'll spare your brother if you sleep with me. And she says, To, you know, to whom should I complain? Who to who can you talk to when it's the person in power who's the one abusing the power? And and she did the speech beautifully. And then she wrote her own version of the speech, the speech that she wished Isabella could give, not just to Angelo, the corrupt deputy, but to the Duke. The Duke of Vienna, who's abdicated his responsibility and who has, in essence, enabled a, a, a predator like Angelo to um, have the potential to abuse his power, and she holds the, in, in the student's own speech, she holds the Duke accountable. So I, I was so impressed that this student could turn her own personal tragedy and a communal tragedy into a way of rewriting the script that we've inherited about how men use their power and giving voice to a woman who was not gonna take it and who was gonna speak up against it. And that's the, that's the educational world I would love to be in.
0: That's it for this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast. Having discussed the Shakespearean parallels with his situation, next week, Daniel Pollack-Pelsner and I will continue the conversation by examining what specific musical theater examples illustrate his situation, along with a conversation about the film of In the Heights and Schmigadoon on Apple TV+. Send us your powerful truth telling via email to feedback at reduced You can also find us and interact with other fans on our dedicated podcast page on Facebook at RSE Podcast, on Instagram at Reduced Shakespeare Company, or on my preferred platform on Twitter at Reduced. You can also follow Daniel on Twitter at Pollock Pelsner, and you can follow me on Twitter too at Austin Titchener. And I hope you'll check out my new website, The Shakespeareans. There you can find more information on how I can help you with monologues, presentations, and and writing projects. Check out the Shakespeareans.com and my Patreon page, patreoncom Austin Tischner. Thanks as always to Norma Ray Matthew Croak, web services by Ginger Power Limited, music by John Weber and Garage Band. Our random fan shout out this week goes to Carrie Vanterbeek. No reason, it's just random. Special thanks to Nina Totenberg, a legal affairs correspondent from National Public Radio. And finally, thanks very much to you for listening. Please stay safe, get vaccinated, and keep your masks on. I'm Austin Titchener, 763 2289th of the Reduced Shakespeare Company. Well, then maybe the bard we should look to for advice and encouragement during this period is Whitney Houston, who sang, I Believe the Children Are Our Future. Teach them well, Daniel, as you have
1: done and watch them lead the way. Oh my God, I just want to dance with somebody someday again. Austin, you have been there for me when they were coming after me for Mary Poppins. You were there for me when the controversy swirled around West Side Story. You're here for me now as I was fired at Linfield. I am starting to think you're bad luck.